Hi, I'm Black here at EDM Biz, day two here in Las Vegas, and I'm here with Zell McCarthy from Thump. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you for taking some time, man. Uh, you were part of this conference. You were on a panel yesterday kind of talking about pop culture and EDM's place in it. How did that go for you? It was fun. You know, it's uh, it's I, this is my third year at the conference. This is my first time on a panel here, and it's nice to, you know, talk with other people in the business who I don't normally interact with because we do some similar things, so it's fun. Yeah. So, you know, you're here representing Thump, which is really one of the kind of newer channels from Vice, right? Yeah, it's one of the newer channels from Vice, though we've had several other launches since then, including Vice News, Munchies, which is food. I love that. And Motherboard, I love that, too. Motherboard's great, and we just uh, launched Vice Sports a few weeks ago, so we're we're rolling them out. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of how did that happen? You know, were you there at the very beginning of the launch for Thump? Were you maybe like, you know, how did how did your involvement with that kind of channel happen since it is a newer thing? My involvement's relatively recent. I was at Billboard before. Um, Thump launched last year as a way to create an independent home for electronic music and culture. Um, Vice has always been about covering counterculture and exploring uh, alternate perspectives on things that are happening in the mainstream. And it became obvious that, you know, the existing music channel, Noisy, wasn't really the right place for uh, all the, the emerging acts of electronic music and the culture that kind of surrounds it. So, um, yeah, we started Thump as a way to, to create a new home for the fans and, and the artists as well. You know, what's interesting is, yeah, Vice has definitely always served the counterculture, but now, you know, electronic music, EDM, whatever kind of label you want to put it in, it's not really counterculture anymore, or it's not strictly counterculture. There's countercultural elements to it, but now it's really like in the mainstream. It's like a, it's a Doritos commercial. It's a Rihanna song. It's totally true. I mean, and that's kind of the, the struggle that I think the, the electronic music industry has as a whole. It's like, how do you maintain the origins of a scene and of a sound that were completely a statement against? the mainstream when you are, you know, your best producers are working for Britney Spears. Um, and, you know, it, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, for us, we want to acknowledge what's happening in the mainstream because certainly it's real, it's a thing. Uh, but we also want to, uh, you know, continue to remind people about the origins of this community and this scene and to explore what's happening in the underground now. Because frankly, that's, you know, what's underground today very well could be the big thing tomorrow. And even if it's not, it's probably more relevant than people realize. Well, I think that a lot of the newer fans, and I'm not trying to be like, they're not true fans, I'm not being that dude, but I think a lot of the, the newer fans into the EDM, the festival experience, all these kind of things, they probably don't know about Chicago House. They probably don't know about like Detroit. They don't know about the origins and the roots and, and everything happening overseas 10, 20 years ago with this kind of stuff. You're right. I don't think they do, but I think that when we expose them to it, they're really excited about it. Um, you know, Some of our highest traffic stories of the year, the most socially engaged stories have been about um, you know, people remembering Frankie Knuckles when he passed away and uh, talking about Larry Levon, who was one of the founders of House Music in New York. It's like there's an audience for this information. Um, it just takes people, you know, like us and others to, to take the time and say, wait a minute, you know, it's not just about what Zed's doing. It's also about, like, the 30 years of music that came before Zed that, you know, have created the culture that is now part of the mainstream. Electronic music is not a three-year-old genre. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's not. Though three-year-olds, I think, are prone to, <laughs> to liking it. That's a different topic, though. Uh, how long have you been covering, you know, like, let's say both, you know, like music coverage and the electronic scene in all its incarnations? This is 
is my 10th year. Um, I started, uh, well, by the 10th year of, of having a job working, covering dance music. Um, it's the only kind of music I've ever covered professionally. I have a background in, in classical music as a performer and went to college, going to clubs, sneaking into clubs when I was too young. And um, when I graduated, I thought, all right, I'll take this job. This couldn't possibly be a career. No one's going to pay me to write about dance music forever, but well, this will do for now. And, uh, you know, almost a decade later, here I am, somehow, <laughs> somehow, yeah. some way, still talking about dance music. And I guess other people are interested in it now, too. Now, how much have you seen the, the culture, the reaction, the acknowledgement of and awareness of, you know, dance electronic EDM culture, whatever you want to call it, change during your time, you know, covering it and being in that scene? A lot of things have changed. I mean, some things are still the same. There's still the same kind of element of fan at events, especially Electric Daisy Carnival. While it's gotten bigger, I think the core ethos of it and the experience of being at the festival have has remained relatively unchanged. The biggest change for me is that people know what I'm talking about now when I say <laughs> I cover DJs. It's not just some weird thing that people are looking at me like, how does he make a living doing that? Now it's like, oh wow, you know, I, lucky you. And I do feel lucky. Every once in a while, the Eminem line from like 10, 12 years ago where he's calling out Moby and he's like, nobody listens to techno. And it's like, guess what, man? A lot more people listen to that now you know, than Eminem. Totally. I mean, that's kind of the irony of that. Um, I'm glad you pointed that out because that's, uh, I, I think of that line sometimes. And I was listening to Moby, you know, in his, his first couple albums and when it really was this crazy experimental drug-ridden, drug-driven culture. And um, he's an example of someone who's endured while also evolving musically and, and, and culturally too. And I think, you know, because there are acts like him and then, of course, stalwarts like the Chemical Brothers and even the Basement Jacks and, um, and, and other folks like that, they're still around, they're still making music. It proves that there's a durability to this. It's not something that's completely disposable, and though some parts of it might be. Sure. You know, one of the things that uh, I see a lot in discussion and just reflected here at this experience, everything that's going on in Vegas and the culture here, is that the music industry for the last 15 years has been a pretty sad song. It's, it's a lot of you know, moaning about downloading, streaming, you know, very valid complaints about, like, streaming rights, what artists are and are not getting paid, all these kind of things. Then you look at, like, the EDM story, and it's like, EDM's a $6.2 billion industry. Why do you think that this corner of the music industry is just exploding when so many other areas are people kind of going without Thanksgiving dinner? That's a good question. I think... You know, to me, the music industry was never suffering. It was always the record industry. And for so long, the record industry had dominated what the music industry was, that people couldn't see the good things that were happening beyond the fact that the labels were no longer able to rely on those old business models. Um, I think, you know, the fact that live music had become more and more important to the, the business model for all of music, every artist, um, really helped electronic music's uh, revival here. Because when you have people who make decisions about what kind of acts you're going to book, um, and they, they see a genre that does really well live, and they know that live music is now the future, and really the only way to sustain a, a career, it changes the equation. And, um, you know, that combined with shifts in technology, the, the, how much easier it is to make the music that we listen to in electronic music. Um, as well as the ways that people consume it. I think it's all just kind of hit at the same time and, and you know, the right songs and the right artists. You know. It's kind of a perfect storm. It really did all... It was brewing for like 30 years and then everything just really 
came to fruition at the same moment. Absolutely. I mean, you know, a few years ago, this was like in 2009, Calvin Harris was promoting his second album, and he wasn't at all famous, really. And, uh, I mean, he wasn't. I was standing with him in the streets of Miami, and no one was stopping to say <laughs> hi. And uh, he saved me from a bus. I want to put that on the record. I, a bus was going to hit me. He pulled me out of the street. I just, Calvin Harris saved my life. That's, that's the Twitter pull quote from this article, from this interview. Thank you. It's true. Calvin Harris totally saved my life. I, I can never thank him enough. Neither can anyone listening to me and enjoying this, I guess. But he, uh, you know, he was saying, what would David Guetta do? Because David Guetta at that point was was kind of building a new dimension to his profile. And then David Guetta's song with Kelly Rowland, When Love Takes Over, hit. Will I Am really was, uh, you know, love him or hate him. He was really responsible for bringing a whole new sound to American pop audiences because he loved this electronic music. And then Calvin you know, who had asked for years, what would David Guetta do, started doing what David Guetta was doing. He wrote a song with Rihanna that's still one of the greatest pop songs of a decade. And that's really part of it too. So like all these changes in the industry and shifts in technology, all that can happen, but there's been the right material and it's hard to find. Everyone's trying to recreate it. There's been a lot of money thrown at artists trying to recreate it. It's not easy to do. And when it happens, you know, you better be ready. It has to be authentic. It, it isn't something that yeah, absolutely. Like, I always think of the corn quote from a couple years ago where they're like, we were dubstep before there was dubstep. And it's like, oh, my God, I don't know who I'm more embarrassed for. Like, that's just the worst quote. Of, but I think a lot of people are, tr you're right, like, trying to chase the trend now. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 we were always here, man. Like, we were always about this. Yeah, I think that that, that, that corn quote. Poor dubstep. Maybe that's why dubstep has kind of died because corn was, like, claiming it. No, yeah, once that happened, everyone's like, nope. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jonathan Davis. But, you know, it's it, it. everything comes and goes. And the cool thing for me about covering dance music in particular is that things are always moving forward. People are always trying to innovate and stay one, head, one step ahead. And that's a great position to be in as a journalist because there's always something to talk about, something new to hear. You know, final question. I know there's a lot going on here, so I don't want to keep you too long. But another sentiment that gets thrown, I'm sure you've heard it a trillion times, like it gets thrown around so much online and in these think pieces, is that this is a fad, it's a bubble, it's going to burst, EDM's going to be over, and then I don't know what people think will happen. Maybe Metallica steps back and is like, alright, we're going to pick up where we left off, but you know, how do you respond to kind of that, that line of thinking where everyone's like, oh no, this won't last, it's a fad, it's a bubble, blah, blah, blah. I mean... Everything comes and goes, and I think some people in a few years will have their asses handed to them, and rightly so. They don't understand what it is that they're here for, and they're here for the wrong reasons. You know, this is a global culture that has been evolving over years, and it's never been about making a lot of money. So the people who are here for that, they'll be out the door. But I have no doubt that dance music and, and the people who love it are going to be around for a long time. I will. I mean, I think even after maybe the spotlight's gone or after it's not the stuff in, like, a Doritos commercial or something, there'll still be dance music. It'll just be like it was 10 years ago. A lot of people weren't paying attention, but the right people were. Frankly, as long as there are Doritos, there will be dance music. <laughs> not that they're related, but... I don't know why I keep going back, but you know, yeah, it's just this big pop thing. Um, Zell McCarthy from Thump on Vice. Thank you so much, man, for taking some time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Same. Thanks a lot.